handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your co-host, James Jackson, always sitting with my right-hand man, Jake Galley. And we have another distinguished guest. We have one last episode of Mark Ferrante. This one, we got the homie, uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia host, host of Sixers Talk podcast, Danny Palmels. Danny, how you doing, man? Gentlemen, thank you for having me, Jake and James. James yes, and Jake. Uh, Hey, you know what, man? I'm I'm feeling good. I hope y'all are too, man. I'm looking forward to having a chat. Yes, sir. Yeah, any anything we can do to escape the fact that we're locked down in our houses all day and that there's no live sports on, like I'll I'll take that any day. I'll take objection to that. You are not locked down. You can go for a walk. <laughs> you know. But Danny, you know me. I, I I like to I like to go be out, and I can't I can't do all that, man. I can't. They can't I, be I with the people. Like a, a certain rate, a certain radius, and then I got to return home. But. You know what right. we're making do. How are you doing in the and you know being in quarantine? How are you passing the time? Um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, watching D, DJ D Nice on Instagram Live like everybody <laughs> else, bro. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to uh, stay maintained. I mean, first and foremost, I'm healthy. All my loved ones are healthy. No one is sick, so we're not um being affected directly by the coronavirus in that way. But you know, also just trying to make sure we're doing our part to flatten the curve, as they say. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, um, in, in the interim, I'm here at my house uh, with my kids trying to get some semblance of school going, um, as well as turned into the chef boy or me. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, every, sir. Every day. I mean, you can't, you know, you, you, I guess you don't really think about, I probably was a, like, cook a meal at home like two times a week type guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I would probably make a meal. Hopefully, like, at least one of those lasted like a day or two, like there were leftovers. But now... I'm like cooking every day and hitting the barbecue and everything else. So yeah, I saw you some ribs. Was I it last say, night, man? I'm You're looking good. I, I saw you You're looking real good. Where my plate? Hey, at, man, man, I gotta, I, I gotta thank my brother for that, man. He, uh, he, he put that bug in me way back when. My brother and my mom, man. So uh, I, I do have the the grill game in my bag. I got the grill out back, uh, but you know, you don't, you never grill as much as you want to. But now yeah. you know, everybody's got time to try to do all the stuff that they don't have time for. So. That's that's exactly you got past the time. It's, it's somehow, some way. I'm glad you're staying safe. Glad your family's staying safe and healthy and finding any amusement. I mean, but we got to talk about what did get affected so much by you know the outbreak of coronavirus, and that was you know first and foremost the world of sports and where it hits home is you know the Philadelphia 76ers right at home having their season and the entire NBA season cut short. Maybe, hopefully, maybe just suspended until they, you know, you know, resume. But I mean, what what do you think the biggest effect is going to have? You know, on the Sixers in particular, with you know not having a season for presumably maybe a couple months now. I mean, for everybody, it's going to be conditioning. That's going to be number one. Because uh, what what do you do when you come back? Like, of course, guys are doing what they can at home to whatever extent they can. But what do you do when you come back? How do things get ramped back up? Is there a mini training camp? Uh, is there a, you know, small regular season and then uh, some type of semblance of a playoff format of the postseason? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you figure it all out? So I think the conditioning is number one. I mean, if you think about it, training camps begin in like September. 
Yeah. And here we are pushing the season maybe to like July, August. You know what I'm saying? So, so how does next season look? So I think uh, I'm sure as people think about that every day over at the league office and have all types of scenarios figured out. But at the same time, uh, I think conditioning is probably the biggest issue because, you know, the rhythm, obviously, you know, they, they were way more than two thirds of their way through the season. So, right. um, you know, just the rhythm of being back to, you know, how it is if you haven't played in a while. You know, you got to you got to get back in the rhythm. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I'm, I'm gonna leave I mean, him alone. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave the the big man alone this time. But you know, you, y'all know I got words for him. Y'all know I got words for him. I'm gonna leave Jake. I'm gonna leave him alone this so, time, man. I'm gonna. Leave, I promise. I promise. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I'm leaving big. Danny, let's say the NBA decides that because of this locker, it's not really a lockout, but a lockdown. Let's call it. Um, they shorten the regular season, or, right? Season suspension, and mm-hmm. they decide to either shorten it or, or just totally that you know it's just a sixty game or however many teams have played, uh, how many games teams have played, and that's it. Would you consider this Sixers season a disappointment? Well, if you go by the two K measure of things, <laughs> the Sixers are going to win the whole freaking thing. Yeah, of course, you know of course. So it. If, I don't know if you guys even paid attention to that, but in that 2K mock-up that Sim, uh, they had Sixers sweeping and, and rolling through the postseason. Right. So uh, that was funny. But well, I consider it uh, – you're saying if they don't have a postseason, that they, this is it? Um, I would say, like, like – so let's say they announce there's going to be a postseason, but that's yet to be seen. The Sixers are obviously in. They're still the sixth seed, but, like, right – uh, the regular season is over. The Sixers are officially the sixth I seed. I think they can beat the Pacers. So if, if you're saying the Sixers are the sixth seed and they ended their first round against the Pacers, I think that's, that's the, the Celtics, seed. though. I believe it is the Celtics in the in the three seed right now. No, I think so. You could, mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. No, are, definitely. But are, um, are, are you as confident at, in a Sixers Celtics playoff matchup? Ooh. That had to happen. Because the, the, yeah, the Sixers have, have dominated over. them this season. No, no, the, the Sixers have dominated them this season. Um, Jason Tatum, you know, all those guys are wild cards. But uh, I would I would actually favor the Sixers in a series like that because of the Al Horford factor because you're kind of like playing right into his lap, into his uh, wheelhouse with playing his former team. Like that automatically adds a chip on his shoulder and gives him incentive to play his best basketball where maybe you wouldn't get that against like – you know, Miami or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I feel like playing the Celtics actually plays in the Sixers' favor because they match up better with them. Uh, of course, they've had the Sixers' number in the postseason the past couple years and have devised the plan and shown people how to guard Ben Simmons in the postseason. So I would say that that definitely um, plays into it. But I wouldn't consider it a failure – because I feel like there was some important growth as far as, you know, maturity-wise. I would consider, consider a failure as far as how they constructed the, the roster, the way their uh, – Brett Brown pulled the strings and the way people's numbers were called. That, that's, that's where I would consider a failure. I, I like the growth I've seen in Ben Simmons, man. I mean, if, if there was ever a player that would make me like both ends of the basketball as much as Ben – 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, got, I get excited with him playing defense as much as offense sometimes. And, and that's but, the thing for me is that you look back at that first Sixers-Celtics series, it was the Jason Tatum coming out party, and they would just switch him on to J.J. Redick. Yeah. But there isn't a J.J. Redick now that's just a total uh, revolving door on defense. So, I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think the Sixers match up really well. I, I might agree. It was interesting. You said that, you know, the, one of the biggest problems you had was the strings that Brett Brown was pulling. I mean, do you do the, the fault has to lie somewhere? I mean, the Sixers didn't want to go into the playoffs, presumably a six seed. That's what they're at right now. Is, is that where the fault lies is how Brett Brown constructed the roster and, you know, constructed lineups and personnel he put on the floor. I think that there was a little bit of, more meat on the bone for Brett Brown as far as the rest of the season because that has to be a culmination, right? Like, it has to be, like, a beginning, middle, and end. And he he didn't get the end part where that last 20 games, 18, 17 games or so, he didn't get to finish that part off. So, right. I, I don't – I'm not I'm not as down on Brett Brown as so many people that have, are in the media and in um, the Sixers fandom. You know, having seen him in action up close, having talked to him up close, and having – Spent time, you know, just really trying to dissect it with the Sixers Talk podcast and Sixers pre and post, listening to Coach Lineham and uh, Mark Jackson and so many other people who know way more about basketball than me. I feel like Brett has kind of been given a raw deal in a lot of ways because he's had to be the face of this thing for so long. And you got to kind of look at the totality of it. So I don't think them necessarily changing coaches is going to push them to the top unless it's just a coach that because there is formulas and things out there, people making comparisons to like Phil Jackson replacing Doug Collins in Chicago and Phil Jackson replacing That'd be nice, man. <laughs> like, You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just saying it's like, it's like a theory out there that after the fourth season, if when the teams that replace their coach, like going on to like championship glory, oh, like the yeah. Lakers got Phil Jackson and Kobe and Shaq and then went on to championships and then, he took Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen to championships after replacing Doug Collins. But Steve anyway, uh, yeah, man, I, I just feel like I feel like it's a, a lot of meat left on the bone for Brett Brown. So I can't say that he's the problem. I just feel like Al Horford was not as advertised. Tobias Harris, you, got, you know, some of the blame lies of the players. Tobias Harris wanted to be a 50-40-90 guy. He, he wasn't that this season. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of the blame lies there. Yeah, and I'm, I kind of agree. It's why I was a little – you know, a little shocked that, you know, how Al Horford turned out. I mean, you look at the player he was against the Sixers last year, then the contract he gets in the offseason, and you think two plus two is equal, you know, a dominant Al Horford, and that's not that's not what we got. That's not what the Sixers got throughout the regular season. Great point. You know what I mean? But we uh we can move on, uh, because there are some there are some happy times, you know, during this this whole <laughs> quarantine, this whole lockdown process. One of them was NFL free agency. Like I don't know about you two, but in a time where I needed just something to pop off in the world of sports, NFL free agency like did that for me. Like I needed, I needed something. It was man. weird, man. It was <laughs> weird. It was like y'all gonna take this free agency news and like it. Um, <laughs> exactly. It was like, well, if you remember going on sports landscape, yeah, you, you needed it. I mean, if you remember last year, the NFL free agency like wasn't it wasn't all that special. Nothing, nothing really crazy happened. Last year, so if, if we had a repeat of that, I think people would have been been really upset. But speaking from an Eagles standpoint, I mean, the the first big news to break was you know the Eagles not bringing back or not electing to re-sign 
um, you know, safety, you know, Pro Bowl safety Malcolm Jenkins, and that that shook a lot. I heard of you say your Hall of Famer. I heard I was, you. I was gonna you say Eagles. Look, look, I got so much respect for Malcolm that it almost came out. I almost just put him in Canton just now. Then I almost said Eagles Hall of Famer, and I was like, let me not, let me not speculate. But I will say Pro Bowler. I will say, you know. Captain of the Eagles defense, the safety Malcolm Jenkins, and I mean, you, you see how much regarded, man. he is. Hey, man, it, it remains to be seen whether he's Eagles Hall of Famer or NFL Hall of Famer. He, he, has, he might have a pretty nice resume when it's all said and done with the two mm-hmm. championships and been the, the majority of his career with two franchises and two, you know, pretty significant franchises in the Saints and Eagles. But as far as the Malcolm Jenkins thing, yeah, I guess you really didn't get to ask your question. I'm just saying the whole thing with the Malcolm Jenkins thing, if, if that was where you were alluding to, is I feel uncomfortable about it because it doesn't look good from a public relations standpoint. It, it has those undertones of Brian Dawkins and the way he exited and went to the Denver Broncos unceremoniously when they thought that he should have been re-signed with the organization. Um but from a football standpoint, what if it turns out to be both things can be true at the same time? Maybe it, lo- it looks like a bad PR move, but it was the right move from a football standpoint. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was smarter to cut bait a year early than be in a year too late. Maybe, yeah, the Saints offering him $13 million a year and where he was making a little over seven here wasn't the smart thing to do and, and, and put all that money uh, into your um, free safety. But Malcolm Jenkins? It I mean, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, right? um, but but not Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, but Jalen Mills moving to the to the safety position. Like, what what is that going to be like? Um, I, talk, I don't know. Daddy, talk to Jake, please. Tell talk yeah. to Jake, please, about that. Tell man. me, Jake, because I want to yeah. know. I, I'm valiant curious. defender well, move. Valiant so defender. I wouldn't move. say valiant. I mean, like Jalen Mills has his problems. Hope I'm not going to say double move his way. Yeah. Don't but throw- here's the thing. So here's the thing. Right, he is now not going to be having to decide if he wants to play press or play off. If he's playing the safety, he's usually going to have a deep portion of the field that well, he doesn't really have to Free contend. safety or strong safety? That's the thing I'm not clear on. So some people, probably free. free safety, I'm thinking. I would have to, th- I would have to think free. And if, and if you they have to have – Rodney McLeod in his position, right? Yeah. But right. if you have to yeah, have a safety that, that fulfills the role Malcolm Jenkins played, which was patrolling the line of scrimmage, being in the box sometimes, I would think that Rodney McLeod was able to do that. Maybe a little better than Jalen Mills. I don't know. Just, just. Oh, pure. so wait. You're saying the opposite. You saying Rodney McLeod would be the free safety? So the the be be Rodney McLeod would be, I guess, yeah, free safety. Going to going to Malcolm Jenkins overall. Jenkins position is what you said. Yep, yep. And then have Jalen Mills kind of, you know, be be that be that center fielder basically in the in the back of the, in the back of the defense. I mean, I think I know Jalen Mills was like at times pretty rough at the cornerback position, but he also made some big plays. He made a, a, a bunch of red zone plays against Julio Jones, especially the memorable one in the, in the playoff run where they won the Super Bowl in the back of the end zone. He's digging him up. So I think he still has value. They brought him back on a one-year deal. Um, and so, that's the okay. thing, Jake. I think that, that you create that first with the one-year deal. You bring in other guys on one-year deal. So all of a sudden you got a competition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, with guys who all want bigger bucks. Um, They really found success with that with Patrick Robinson on the Super Mm -hmm. Bowl year. So I feel like Howie's trying to tap into that formula once again and bring in a guy who maybe another team 
you know, you know, had left on the cutting room floor or pick up a, you know, another team's junk becomes the Sixers, the Eagles uh, trade. Right. Um, and but, they've kind of done that. Uh, they have Roby Coleman, Nikel Roby Coleman, who obviously is infamous for his involvement <laughs> in possibly the worst pass interference non-call it's in history. Ever, Will Parks right. as well, safety from, from Denver. So they have bring, been bringing in some uh, low salary cap type guys, but then what broke across uh, when, when all the Eagles fans were begging for some free agency news, Darius Slay, Traded to the Eagles, um, really the first big corner we've had in here since Byron Maxwell, Namdi Asimov. We all know how those guys turned out. So what do you think about the Darius Slade deal and then the money that they gave him afterwards? Uh, turn out the money, uh, to answer to the last question first, didn't turn out to be that much. Um, yeah. It turned out that they um, – basically a two-year deal because they're re-signing them and not thinking them as a free agent. Mm-hmm. So they, they get him in a trade and basically get some of that money from Detroit and spread it across his deal. And I think it's a, a, a two-year deal. Basically, you're giving them $15 million each is basically what it turns out to be. But um, I think that the slave move is terrific. Um, I feel like they solidify the defense, man. Uh, they give some strength, like some type of rock. You know, you lose Malcolm Jenkins, who did so much of everything in every position defensively. He would play down in the box, like uh, James mentioned. He would, you know, be, you know, guarding the deep ball. You know, he, he would do it all. Um, and maybe Will Parker has a little bit of that linebacker hybridness about him. Um, you got Darius Slay who can lock down the side of the field, you know he's guarding the best receiver, of which there are a few in the NFC East. Um, <laughs> so he's guarding the best receiver of the team. And I think – and then you add in the defensive line, which we haven't talked to next, and that little motley crew that they've been able to form there. And I do feel some great good things about that. I don't feel good not, – not to go off on a tangent because you didn't ask me about this, but I don't <laughs> Give feel it to good. us. Give it to us. Yeah. I don't feel good with their door offensively. Because if you look at what Uh-oh. Howie Roseman said at his 11 a.m. presser, um, like, bro, um, how about we upgrade the wide receiver yes. core with some speed? Um, how about we get younger there at, at those skill positions and give, you know, uh, Miles Sanders some help? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got to have more than one playmaker. You know what I mean? Uh, totally and, and you want to continue to get younger and faster there, man. So I just really hope Howie Roseman basically saying that he is more bullish on the receivers they have in-house than the public and others who are on the outside looking in might be. And I couldn't disagree with that more because it gives me the same feelings of uh, Todd Pinkston and not mm. Nay Brown and – Greg Lewis and oh, you know man. James Thrash and all those dudes oh. with Donovan McNabb. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he thought he they, they thought they had the, the proper receivers then. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then they get a real receiver in here with Terrell Owens, and you find out, oh, this is what a real receiver looks like. But mm-hmm. that's the kind of the feeling I get when I hear Howie Roseman say that. So that, that's what I'm focused on, man. Look with these draft picks and whatnot. Although I haven't been paying as much attention to the draft, I was focused on the Sixers season and Sixers talk podcast, but. Um, I think the draft, man, I will hunker down on that. And, you know, as things mellow out and take a closer look, and I feel like if they can't get a receiver or 
a couple of players who are going to be difference makers. I mean, just think about how they missed on guys like Donnell Pumphrey and wasted draft picks. And, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Guys who, yeah, man. I, y'all, hold up. You think that was a wasted pick? Oh um, no, man. He played a part in the Super Bowl. In the Super he Bowl did, run, and he man. played a big he had a, part. a heck he of a season that, that year. But so you can't discredit that. You think he's – I think he was like the 15th pick in the draft. And you get – I mean, like, look, like he's not a, you can't, I don't think because of that season, you can't say he's a total bust. I agree. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he definitely is not what you paid for. And but you see that guys he, like Danny moving. Watkins and Jake Kwan. No, no, Marcus no, Smith, the third. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there are yeah. different, there are plenty of guys you could look at. Of course. Really miss of course. So, of course. Aguilar, just, this is weird, man. Some weird situations. And okay, weird. Okay. And he might turn it around. He might and, turn it around. And, 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 Speaking of receiver, I brought this up on, you know, one of my other shows, Trust the Process Live. Danny was a, a, a guest on that show, too. And I got crucified for this, man. And, and the more it passes, the more I'm wondering just how people were underestimating the statement. But I was saying that letting go of Nelson Aguilar right now might be a detriment to the Eagles. Not not bringing back Nelson Aguilar mm-hmm. when, when there's not if much – If they bring I mean, in any other receivers, you're right, but – but I'm, and that's my point, Jake. That's my point. Every time a receiver goes off the board, every time a Robbie Anderson gets signed and a Travis Benjamin gets signed and people get signed and the Eagles aren't making moves, that statement becomes more and more right. Yeah, well, they're I, – I don't know, man. We'll see what they do in the draft because personally, I think that's where no messing around, you go up into the top 15 and you get a home run type guy. But we'll have to it see. creates more opportunity. You know, you, you know, Nelson leaving creates opportunity for other people. So if they feel so good about these in-house guys, uh, you know, Greg Ward, obviously top of the list. Mm-hmm. If they feel so good about him, here's the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Yep. For them to improve. So yeah. um, I, I think Nelson leaving frees up space and opportunity. So I'm, I'm fine with that. He, it felt like dead weight. It just, it just felt like an acrimonious situation and, you know, the fans and, you know, what he's bringing to the table and the ham hands and the, and, and you know, the effort of lunging from balls. You, you like, it, it got to a point, like you're doing a Zapruder film that every little thing he does yes. on the field, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're like analyzing his attitude and effort and body language. It just, it was old, man. It was, it was time to move on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, of, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Jake, go ahead, Jake. No, I was about to, I- I was about to transition. I think you're going right where I, where, right where I was about to go. You can same, go same. I mean, speaking of getting rid of it and dead weight, Danny, answer me one question. Why is Alshon Jeffrey still a part of the Eagles? What What is the it's point? Weird. What is the point? <laughs> it's got to be money, man. Um, I think, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was a 7% cap hit if, if he yeah. was to be let go. He's owed huge. And um, I feel like they definitely got their money's worth from him. Um, he was brought some stability to a position they didn't have stability in a long time. And then, you know, even despite that ridiculous drop in New <laughs> Orleans that he should have had, even despite that, when you hear he played with the torn rotator cuff the Super Bowl year or whatever it was, the banged up shoulder, mm-hmm. he, he still has some redeeming qualities about him. Um, I don't know. I, it's got to be money of why he's still not here and the fact that no other team wants him and they can't get any proper value for him. So it's kind of like – I but, but I, you know, I put this out on Twitter um, and for the simple fact that the biggest question is going to be commitment 
and desire. And if he's going to be playing jaded and playing as if, you know, he, he's already checked out, then that, that's where the issue lies for me. If he's going to still go out there and play and act like he wants to play hard so the Eagles can kind of try to trade him and, you know, get something for him, because that's, that's what's in his best interest is to showcase himself to other teams so he can get in a better situation so someone will want him. Um, but if he's not going to put his best effort forth and be dragging his feet in a locker room menace and and having those cancer-like qualities and it's time to just cut bait and you just, you just you know, eat the, the doo-doo sandwich, as they say. Um, mm. it, it, you, anybody want to translate that for me? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't you know. Eat the, the, sh- the sh- burger. You eat the, yeah. I don't, can we curse on this pot? I'm sorry. Of course. I, I you, man, you yeah. should yeah. hear it. Yeah, you you should hear gotta them. eat the shit burger. Yeah, just Sometimes. eat the shit burger and you cut them. You know what I'm saying? So. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to do it, 100%. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean that's it's it's to me it's so weird. about culture, you know. What I mean, I, that's that's just something that is underrated to me that so many people don't. That, you know, you see it with the Sixers, man. The camaraderie, the culture, man, it, it means so much. You got to protect right. that at all costs, man. But that's to me, why you got you got to just a real quick example. That's why you can survive something like Ray Lewis and him in the implication with stabbing and killing somebody in the off season because the culture with the Ravens and. And Shannon Sharp was so much that it, it just overcame all that. It just won the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Camaraderie, man. The camaraderie is so important, bro. I just, I just feel like that's just something that's really, it really galvanizes the team or can push them apart, man. And, and it's such a fine line. Yeah, absolutely. And and you look at, you know, they let letting go Malcolm Jenkins, who I think was a big part in in building that camaraderie, keeping it together in the locker room. And you still have a guy, a malignant like. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey causing problems. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be hard is to get rid of him. Causing problems of- though. Where, where do you give me? I want to hear what. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, man. Is he causing problems? Like, is he the, the Josina Anderson source? Like, what, how do y'all? That's, now that's that is insane. that is truthfully an assumption. However, it is an informed assumption. I went through. <laughs> I mean, this isn't really like rocket science research, but. You go through and look at Josina Anderson's uh, social media. Alshon is, I think, one of three Eagles who followed or were being followed by Josina Anderson. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that it's a dead giveaway to be him. There's also been sources in the locker room saying that someone confronted Alshon about causing problems within the locker room. So it it could be the case that those aren't the issues they're referring to, but to my knowledge and all all signs are pointing to Alshon Jeffrey being that source. So. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, if, if he's a cancerous, uh, you know, source, then they definitely got to cut that out, man. So man. Um, that's, that's an easy one for me if, if that's, that's the case. If he's going to come and play, though, I don't know, man. Worst things have happened. Are we holding out for something for Alshon Jeffries or something to, to – like, you, you know, you talk about Brett Brown has more meaning than Boone's. Is there something to wait for us on Jeffrey, or, or is that is that what's going the value, on? The value. I think the value. If, if, if The value, you're trying to get, you know, if you owe him $12 million, <laughs> then you're trying to figure out a way to just recoup some of that value, you know? Yeah. yeah. Got, got to get it Absolutely. And, and he was a part of an extremely memorable run, as we've talked about a little bit before, but kind of going off that, Memorable game. I saw um, people on Twitter were reacting last night. The 
I think it was the NBA's Twitter account was playing on live the 2005 finals game seven Spurs versus Pistons. Uh, I was checking it out. It was amazing. And it got me thinking if you had to watch only one game, you had one singular game to watch while in quarantine, no sports. Danny, what is it? The one game that you're going to, you can rewatch over and over. Again. I don't loop. Oh, that's a good one, man. It will probably be just be Super Bowl 52. Um, if I'm if I'm just being honest, of course. It's funny though so because funny. I, it's funny because I just wrote a story for NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. We have a series going about the best game I ever saw live. Ooh. And the best game I ever saw live was the Florida Gulf Coast upset of Georgetown at Wells Fargo Center. Wow. Oh my gosh, bro! That, it was a zoo. It, it was it was bananas. It, and and like I wrote in the article. They were calling themselves Dunk City, and by the time the game was over, Georgetown was also calling them Daddy. It was, bro. They it just was like that. Beat them, bro. And just, I mean, it, it was an NCAA tournament game, a 15 C over a two. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it was everything you ever hoped for if you go into an NCAA tournament game to see an all-time epic upset for them to do it with flash and bravado. So that was that was one of those things. And, and, and now I'm, I'm talking about it. It is March. And we're in the quarantine, so I might have to loop a March Madness game. There you go. A crazy there you go. March Madness ending. Um, maybe some Valparaiso upset or something. I don't know. I'm but, crazy. Uh, I Super, Bowl, Super Bowl 52 would be good. That's a, that's yeah. an easy one. Jake, did he steal yours? Is that yours too, your quarantine game? Uh, I mean, that's, that's like one of them. I would say – I don't mean to take this. Game, this, but I think right? this huh? Super Bowl 52 was a good game. Oh, God, it was even if the weren't in it, it's like a really, really good, entertaining game. Yeah, it was um, a great game to watch. But I would – the game that I, other than Super Bowl 52, distinctly remember, James, you and I, you and I were together for it, 2016 NBA Finals Game 7. Oh, Both man. of us huge LeBron James fans. Um, oh, you mean with the block? Oh, yeah, man, man, the block at the yeah, end. I mean, the entire game was close and – to me, that was like one of the most memorable things in my lifetime for in terms of landmark NBA moments. So um, I could watch that game all day. Big, greatest team, um, regular season greatest team of all time, the Warriors that year uh, in that game as well. So I, that's my choice, man. LeBron What's underrated in that game is the 15 seconds of defense Kevin Love has on Steph Kevin Curry Love, to lock him up at the end of the game. Like, K-Love don't get enough praise for that. He strapped up Kevin Steph Curry. He had him in the blender. He just he missed a shot. That's all I think I remember. <laughs> yes, yeah. He didn't pull it, though, until the end. He didn't feel comfortable enough to pull it. K-Love kept close. Yeah, That's Kevin what I'm A lender. <laughs> My my quarantine game would have to be – I'm always indecisive. So, it's either the 2015 first round of the Western Conference playoffs, the Clippers versus the Spurs, game seven. Chris Ball goes out oh, on Chris bum Ball. hamstring, hits that that little awkward floater over Tim Duncan off glass to, to send the Clippers to the second round where they ultimately got beat by the Blazers because Chris Paul missed two Classic. games because of that hamstring. But – <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, such an evil world we live in. But that game, he's snoozing on that game. You're not snoozing away, you're snoozing on that game. Boy, <laughs> first of all, Spurs and Clippers. First of all, what? First of all trying to watch a Spurs and Clippers game. All right, the second one, the second one, it's my game. The second one is would be the 2016 National Championship game, Villanova versus North okay. Carolina. That's that's okay, one. Of the, that, that, yeah. There you go. There you go. That may be yeah. the best 
basketball game I've ever watched next to maybe the and 2016 Just, just to piggyback on your, on your idea, the most underrated part of that game is, is the kid uh, from Carolina. I think it was Marcus Page. I think it was. That was that three. Shot. Yeah. The three beforehand to, to tie it up. Because they down three. I thought the game was going the overtime. Game's over. All of a sudden, Archie Diakon and Chris Jenkins went in their bag. Yeah. No. Y'all know I have a um, – Y'all know I have a uh, a YouTube clip on awful announcing that's floating around the internet oh. from that game. No way. No way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was broadcasting on NBC 10, and while the game was on, you know, the 11 o'clock news was on, and Chris Jenkins hits the shot during the sports cast. And, you know, I got to kind of keep my cool because I'm in the middle of meeting reading a Phillies highlight. Like, I, I can't be like, oh, my gosh, Chris Jenkins just won a national championship. I can't just, like – you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm like or you got to keep I'm, your composure. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like reading the highlight, and uh, the one of the directors that used to work at our station like jumps up while I'm reading, and behind me, like, oh, like celebration, <laughs> and it's like, like caught camera, and I, I just, I just like, I'm deadpan though, just like tossing back to the anchors, but uh, yeah, so it's it's, it's floating on the YouTube. <laughs> I'm going to have to that. track that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went, I went to Westchester, and you would have thought Westchester was Villanova. Like, that shot went right. in, and you, right. you literally felt like the right. campus rise, like, and then half my but, school drove know, 20 minutes to Nova. <laughs> right, and you know, but it's, it's, it's the Philly area, bro, Delco, the whole bit, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, people go there. You went to school with kids who went there. You know what I mean? You might even know some of the players. So, right, that's what it is. But thank you again, Danny, for joining us. That was a great episode. So, so much good to talk about. Always finding any time, anything to to entertain us in these times, and to you know just chop it up and talk about sports. I miss it so much. It's always a always a good opportunity. So, thank you again for for joining us. All love, bro, James, Jake. Thanks for having me. One hundred percent. Before before we let you go officially we'll always give our guests a, you know a time at the end of the uh, you know each episode that they're on to kind of plug themselves what you got going on where can people find you besides obviously hey bro uh, Sixers talk podcast coming your way uh go. we go three times a week um so uh check us out nbcsportsphiladelphia.com or wherever you get your podcast uh we are also broadcasting sportsnet central uh from home we have started doing that so that will be coming your way at Monday through Friday, 6 to 11 a.m. on NBC uh, Sports Philadelphia, the linear channel. Mm -hmm. um, the website, though, you can always check out our work. Like I said, the uh, best game I ever saw live. We got that series going on, plus a lot of other stuff. Just to kind of bridge the gap for people here during the time when we don't have any sports going on and uh, we're reminiscing about all-time teams and I know I don't know I don't know if you guys have seen. We're doing the uh, Sims, and uh, I, I want to make sure I plug this properly. We will be doing a sim of uh, 2K sim of the Sixers versus Phoenix at 6 o'clock on Friday. And then at 7 o'clock, Batiste Steibel and Mikhail Bridges will play each other in 2K Ooh, at uh -oh. 7 on NBC Sports. So Whoa. make sure you, everybody checks that out. Yeah, I'm that's kind of dope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who, you, who yeah. you got? Who you got? Batiste or Kel? Hey, uh, uh, I, uh, I'm going to Matisse just because uh, he plays the Sixers and we kill the Philly, but yeah. Uh, Matisse, I'm going to Matisse. Same bet. Same bet. I used to, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, James, I don't know if you had an Xbox at this point. I played 
against Mikel in Call of Duty when I was like 13 years old. He's friends with uh, That's something you remember, bro. Mackenzie yeah, Thomas. So if he's good at Call of Shout Duty when he was like 13, 14, I don't know. He might have an advantage here. Jake, you played him in Call of Duty. See, that's awesome. Jake, you played him in Call of Duty. I had to play him in high school basketball. <laughs> yeah, let, me tell you, let me tell you what this man did. What this man did to my squad four years in a row. Played him all four years. Like, my boy having post-traumatic stress right here on the block. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even want to break it up. But let me let me stop before I have your flashbacks. But again, thank you so much, Danny. Thank you guys for everyone tuning in as we continue to do these lockdown episodes. But again, for Danny Pal- Danny Palmels, NBC Sports Philadelphia host, my man Jake Galley. I am James Jackson. Thank you for listening. These have been the facts. Straight up.